Hello again and welcome to I've Got a Beatles podcast with Dave and Chris, and you're hearing the sweet, sweet sounds of an album that turns 40 years old this year, and that would be Ringo's Rotogravure. I thought we agreed we were going to change the name uh, to This Be Called the Beatles Podcast for <laughs> just for this episode. Yeah, so you, you'll get if you don't know that uh, reference, you'll get that joke a little <laughs> bit later here. Uh, but we were looking through the podcast archives and noticed that we haven't talked about Ringo for quite a while. So uh, yeah. it, we thought it was uh, might be worth revisiting an album that for some strange reason has not been remastered and reissued uh in any sort of puzzling puzzling Puzzling. (laughs) i I don't understand it (laughs) yeah so we're gonna dig into ringo's rotogravure and uh, we we probably need to start by saying what in the you know what is a rotogravure rotogravure is a printing system using rotary press with cylinders uh, typically running at high speed and used for long print runs of magazines and stamps. Or records, possibly. Yeah. Maybe that's... Maybe that's... Because I have no idea why he called this Ringo's Rotogover. It it really doesn't make any sense to me at all. No, not really a connection. (laughs) I guess it had been used in a movie. From according to the authority uh, Wikipedia here, the album's title came from the film Easter Parade in 1948. uh, Which was a a musical that had Judy Garland, Fred Astaire, and Peter Lawford, and Irving Berlin. Well, it's a pretty good group there. It was it's continuing this tradition of Ringo solo albums where he gets his friends to join in on the albums here. It was that formula, though, at least like with having Ringo had John Paul and George on it. Then Goodnight Vienna yeah. had the same thing, uh, and now. This album is the fifth studio album by Ringo from 1976. It was recorded uh, around uh, September, well, April through July of 76 and released on September 27th in the U.S. On, uh, in 1976. And uh, do you feel like after you listen to this album that maybe the formula had run a little thin? Well, yeah. yeah. There, it's this album's all over the place. Yeah. It's a real uh, a wide grab. We should mention this is the last album to feature, well, until uh, the anthology, to feature all four Beatles yeah. in some way, uh, sh- shape, or form. Uh, Harrison's contribution was only uh, writing a song. That controversial. Ringo, <laughs> controversial, we'll get to that. Yeah. Uh, but it also features Linda, not to mention all the other, you know, uh, people we've mentioned before, like Harry Nilsson and Peter Frampton and Dr. John and some people of, of that uh, note. Yeah, and it, it also also kind of notable because it's the last recording that John Lennon appeared on until Double Fantasy. So he, this was right at the beginning of his hibernation period after Sean was born. And so he, this was pretty much his last uh, performance for a while. And, uh, you know, that's the thing about Ringo is that he's not a band leader, really. And so he kind of needs these other creative people to help him make albums and write the songs. And he does write co-write a couple of songs on here. Uh, but, uh, you know, it it just, yeah, like it just sort of falls flat a little bit here. It is the formula is run dry. So 
we'll go through them and and I I I'm, have been anticipating this for all week uh, to see what you're yeah. gonna say. So, <laughs> well, I like talking about albums that are sort of mixed results, mm-hmm, <laughs> mm-hmm. and I like analyzing this kind of stuff. So I, I love these track by tracks. Are you ready? So I'm I'm <laughs> feeling like it's time for a dose of rock and roll. I'm feeling sick. I need uh, need a dose of rock and roll. And I'm going to wash it down with some cool, clear soul. <laughs> All right. So why don't we, let's, let's hear that first cut, huh? Yeah, and particularly, let's hear the start of this thing, how it starts. It's very, very strange. All right, uh, so here it is. So that's the first song on Ringo's Roto Gravure, uh, a dose of rock and roll. And, it, you know, for, for the, the list of performers, I would think this would be a real uh, kick-ass kind of track. You have Peter Frampton, who I think you could hear pretty clearly at the beginning yeah. uh, on guitar. <laughs> You've got... Hot off as Frampton comes alive fame. Yeah, I was going to say that's this. Which do you think he was prouder of? Frampton comes alive <laughs> or uh, Dose of Rock and Roll coming out the same year? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, it's a, it's a toss-up, really. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, you've got him. You've got... Other good session guys like Klaus Vormann and Jesse Ed Davis, Jim Keltner. So we That's have right. a, we also have a guest appearance by Doctor John on the uh, keys there. Yeah, you can barely hear him. Yeah, you can barely hear Keats. You know why? Because there's like a hundred things playing on every song, <laughs> and they're all mixed about even. <laughs> there's a horn section of five guys here, uh, so and a lot of background vocals and just a lot, yeah, a real busy track. What do you what do you make of that odd peppy start? I, I like when it starts. All right, da, 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 da. I'm like, all right, yeah, okay, this is gonna be a real hot one. Yeah, start off this album, and then it gets into this very just like every other Ringo song, medium tempo mm-hmm, mm-hmm. song. I was a little puzzled by that. I don't know about you. Yeah, I was too. It, it, well, it's got three different tempos. You have that that you know real fast all right screaming thing then the slow part with peter frampton and then it yeah. goes into that mid-tempo and it, it sort of just can't figure itself out i think yeah 
Well, I do think uh, this track had pretty good vocal performance by Ringo. Yeah, maybe yeah. maybe one of the better ones on the on the uh, whole album. Uh, and I kind of liked the there. There's a little link here where they sort of referenced the "Hey Baby," which we heard to start the show, which is the next uh, track on the album. And they sort of uh, sing a little lick from it during this song. Seems to fit pretty well. Not not too bad. A uh, good guitar sto- solo from uh, Frampton. Yeah. Just just my uh, too much backup vocals on this on uh, the whole album. Too much backup vocals. Well, yeah, they've got on the corner of the credits they've got four people on background vocals, including Melissa Manchester and our old friend Vinny Poncia is back. Oh there. yeah, yeah. Vinny. So four people on background vocals, and like you said, the mixing, it's really all almost even, so it's just, just too much stuff going on. Well, it, uh, that's, To me, it also almost sounds like the next song, too. It's like it just continues, part A and part B, with Hey Baby, it feels the same tempo, and you know, yeah. that's a cover song, but yeah. Uh, hey Baby was released as a single, a solid cover, but it doesn't like the town on fire or anything, you know? <laughs> Overdoing it with the horns a bit on that, but a uh, lot, a lot going on on that one too. But it, for some reason, that one's even more relaxed. Yeah, of a tempo, sort of a real. It wouldn't be my go-to "Hey Baby" if I'm out there searching for "Hey Babies" to no. <laughs> cover versions to play. I don't think this one would be uh, high on my list. But it has something hilarious, which we'll hear at the very end of the show. <laughs> Which at the very end of this song, they give themselves a nice big uh, cheer <laughs> for doing such a great so- job of this song. <laughs> Which yeah. uh, you know that that happens from time to time on on different songs. I always find it hysterical. Oh yeah, oh yeah, like yeah, that's great. We did such <laughs> yeah, a great. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. the end of "Give Peace a Chance" is like that too. They yes, all, yeah, they yes. all clap and say, "Good job, beautiful." Yes. yes. <laughs> That one at least it's all it's a live spontaneous recording, right. so that makes sense. But this one it's like <laughs> what? Yeah, a lot of horns on this one. Actually, the Brecker brothers, uh, Randy and Michael Brecker, are playing horns, trumpet, and sax on this one. They were really big in the late seventies. Yeah. So that's you know, like I said, they've got really good people on these albums. Just maybe the material just isn't isn't really top notch. So. Uh, well, and you got to look at the arranger and the, yeah. uh, and the uh, lead, producer, lead singer. So, yeah, let's play this next one. Uh, this one is pure gold, and it's uh, who's it written by? Uh, well, this was a Paul McCartney track. This is the first of the the you know, with a little help from his friends here, and uh, it's a McCartney track that you can hear. Paul and Linda, kind of weirdly quiet in the background. I don't know if you thought that was a little weird, uh, but they're they're back there, and uh, I guess they. Well, lay... I, w- I would have preferred the, uh, a quieter vocal background vocals on <laughs> the other song, so so I, I didn't yeah. mind it so much. Uh, but let's let's uh, take a listen to Pure Gold.
So, what do you think of Paul McCartney's contribution to uh, the album Pure Gold? Well, I like it. I've always liked uh, sort of older sounding songs with that sort of feel. Uh, and I think that sentimental is one of the best uses of Ringo. And I think yeah. that this that's that's sort of what this song's doing. This is probably one of my favorites on the album as far as instrumentation and all that. The little staccato piano that comes in is really good. And the, the guitar licks is <laughs> are, yeah, the, are great. Uh, somehow this still feels loose, though. Yeah. And relaxed. And particularly Paul and, Lingo's, or Paul and Linda's background vocals. Uh, at one point, Paul does sort of Elvisy. <laughs> Come on over here, babe, or something. <laughs> just stick something in there like that. Just yeah. a, a lot more fun than uh, most of the rest of the album. Yeah, I, I like it. I think it's uh, it feels probably like Paul wrote this in about five minutes, but it still has a nice feel and it's really catchy. It sticks with you. One of the few al- few songs on the album that really sticks. I think. Uh, yeah. And like we were talking during while we were listening to it, the guitar sounds good. It's played by Lon Von Eaton, who with his uh, brother Derek were actually on Apple Records for a brief time in the 70s. Oh. Yeah, and they used to hang out with uh, George and Ringo and Harry Nielsen and people like that. So uh, they're, uh, George produced their album. So you can, you'll hear Lon a little bit later kind of, in my opinion, imitating George. Uh, but it sounds nice here. It's got nice little licks, and it's a, a tasteful arrangement. So uh, I'd give this one a thumbs up. Yeah, I would too, for yeah. sure. Um, so Now, moving on, we've got, uh, yeah, it's our first Vinnie Poncia Ringo composition called Cryin'. So what do you think of Cryin'? Should we hear it? Or... Well, let's, see, let's <laughs> hear a little bit of it here. I tried my best to get things over Did everything that I could do I didn't really want to hurt you But you must have realized we were through don't it make you feel like crying Watching the good luck slowly die You and me could spend a lifetime trying But we'd be better off Just to simply say goodbye Just like Well, well, what'd you think of crying, uh, Dave? Well, crying. But it breaks a tear to the eye. Yeah, it really does. Makes me very sentimental and thinking about uh, saying goodbye here. No, it, uh, we know Ringo loves country music and recorded a whole album of country uh, back in 1970 with Buku of Blues. Um, it, it's a little bit 
weird arranging on this one. I think it's, uh, I like the piano kind of like very country sounding piano. I've never heard of the pianist named John Jarvis, but he plays well. And, uh, I kind of like the, a little bit of the twang, but the steel guitar is just really like, it seems like it was added from a different track or something. It's weird. I, 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 my notes here says, uh, light country ditty, very slight, (laughs) (laughs) decent piano. Yeah. And then terribly sloppy country pedal steel. I, I, just was like all over the place. Yeah. Like, rip, 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 <laughs> I was like, "Whoa, this is not." Could you have done in one more take? Yeah, maybe that was the best take. I don't know. Yeah, it could have been. I know it's uh, the the pedal steel was played by Sneaky Pete. Oh, <laughs> Sneaky Pete must have been sneaking a couple uh, <laughs> sips of something before he uh, <laughs> got Sneaky, into that. Sneaky Pete. Best known for playing in the Flying Burrito Brothers. Um, yeah. Yeah, so I think that's kind of weird. Also, uh, like you say, slight, I think, is a pretty good word. Just yeah. it really doesn't, <laughs> just, just doesn't do anything. It's sort of neither, yeah. here, neither here nor there. It's not it, terrible. It, but... I, I didn't skip it, but I, I just was like, eh, no, no. No. And I'm also a little so. bothered. Ringo sounds really flat singing on this one, too. Like he has a cold or something, so it doesn't help. But, yeah, well, country when he sings the country songs, you know. It's, yeah, he kind of bend and slur. He's got to be the guy that uh, although I do kind of like in this uh song that harmony there's a little bit of harmony vocals towards the end that yeah. are a little bit better. Yeah. But uh uh yeah, he's really got to stand up out a little bit more. Yeah. And maybe doesn't do as good a job as say we were saying he did on a dose of rock and roll. Mhm. Uh now this this next song is very strange, <laughs> if you ask me. Uh, it's called "You Don't Know Me at All." Let's let's just go right into it. We'll hear it. What, do, what what can you make of that? Yeah, <laughs> that, that song, yeah, Dave. So you don't know me at all. Uh, w- there's actually I was reading about this in uh, Robert Rodriguez's book, uh, Solo in the '70s, and there, I read read that there's a music video of this, and I encourage you to watch it. It's on YouTube. It's Ringo in his quote shaved head period, 
and he looks really strange. He shaved his eyebrows too. Uh, so it's a little bit of an odd setting. He's walking around Hamburg and Monte Carlo back and forth. So it's like very Mediterranean. Then all of a sudden it's in Germany. So kind of bizarre, but uh, that is the last thing I would imagine yeah. to be yeah. visual uh, on top of this uh song it sounds like an easy it's listening very easy listening uh, 70s hit sort of a sunny and share yeah yeah kind totally. of thing not even cool for ringo <laughs> you know <what> I mean? <laughs> but you did stop the song right before my favorite part because i am a sucker for some shooby doo wah wahs <laughs> shooby doo wah wah yeah there's some shooby doo wah wahs mm-hmm there's lots of bass, lots of bass. Uh, all of a sudden towards the end. The string parts are real lame. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Cowbell. You got some cowbell in there. You don't like the string weak, parts. A weak entry, if you ask me. Uh, well, the bass, the, the bass part was played by, uh, here's a name for you, Cooker Low Presti. Cook, Cooker Low Presti. Yes, oh. Cooker Low Presti, who uh, was a member of Davy Johnstone and James Newton Howard's band China. Just the uh, <laughs> research you had to do on the on <laughs> this is just the people who play on this album. Pretty obscure. It's not, it's not like from one one song to another. It's not like anybody the same. No, to- totally different. <laughs> So, yeah, a very 70s, like kind of weak 70s track. Yeah. It reminded me of of albums that would be around my house in the 70s mm-hmm. that were just like, why did they buy this? Like, <laughs> almost like, a, 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 you know, when those albums that were all covers, it was all like some unnamed band oh, yeah, doing yeah. covers of like the hit songs. Mm-hmm. It, mm-hmm. It's. It sounds like one of those. Yeah, so. very much like elevator music. Yeah, yeah, real so, weird. And that that what? Yeah, like I said, go check out the YouTube video of "You Don't Know Me at All." It's it's a little bit disconcerting watching Ringo uh, <laughs> with the cue ball head. It's a little little weird. And supposedly, uh. according to the uh, solo in the '70s book, they asked John about it, and he said, "Why'd Ringo shave his head?" Well, I don't get that. <laughs> no, he didn't seem to understand that either. So. <laughs> Uh, but speaking of John, we turn oh, over, yeah. we turn over the record now, and it's time yeah. for John's contribution. And this is you should love it immediately because of the title. It's got a, a parenthetical title, which you're particularly fond of. Here, it's uh, "Cooking" and then in parentheses, "In the Kitchen of Love."
Well, so Chris, we go from uh, think back to Ringo album. We had "I'm the Greatest" was John's contribution, and now we've gone to uh, "Cooking in the Kitchen of Love." Yeah, we're gonna have a relatively tame party. <laughs> well, it's it's nice of all the all these guys to write <laughs> Ringo a song yeah. and everything. And I think John probably thought this was this one was gonna be real cute. Mm-hmm. I think it just turned out not that great. Yeah. Uh, uh, <laughs> what do you think sinks the, it? The, one of the most bizarre things I've ever read, and and we had to double check and verify this uh, with the album sleeve that you got there, but that Dr. John on guitar. Yeah. So that little <laughs> is Dr. John. Very strange. <laughs> and he's also playing organ on this track, too. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Pulling double duty. Pulling double duty on cooking Maybe in the kitchen. Maybe he should have just played one one instrument and not two. Yeah. Uh, uh, I, I think it's my least favorite of the three uh, 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 gift <laughs> Beatles uh, uh, songs on, on this album. Relatively, uh, yeah, like I said, relatively tame song. Mm-hmm. Or, or something that you would expect to be a little more rollicking. Yeah. Yeah, because uh, we're going to have a party. The joint is jumping. We're going to have a party. It's really something. We're going to have a party <laughs> and do some playing around. Oh. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I think it's pretty weak, Lennon. Uh, very weak tea on this one. Lyrically, and like you said, I'm sure it was supposed to be kind of fun and like a just a party song, but it, it, yeah, it's pretty weak. I, I will say it's kind of redeemed a little bit by the bass playing by Will Lee, who you're you probably are familiar with Will Lee from playing bass in the David Letterman band for many years. And oh yeah, he's a he's a huge Beatle fan. He's got his own Beatle cover uh, group called the Fab Foe, and uh, they're uh, yeah. So he's like all over this thing, boo doo 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 doo, very like funky seventies ish bass. So I mean, there's that. Uh, 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 I guess Yoko was just there. Yeah, I don't know that track. she's credited as doing anything. No, probably probably some snaps in the background or something. Yeah. So, so, <laughs> so yeah. Now we go from we go slide from one beetle to another. Yeah. I think a much uh, a better uh, contribution uh, and <laughs> a very controversial. Yes. Contribution, and we'll uh, play some special stuff with this one. But let's hear uh, Ringo's version uh, on this album of I'll Still Love You.
So well, that's per- not a that's not a hot uh, George Harrison uh, no. lick, there, is it? No, that's played by Lon Von Eden again, the aforementioned uh, guitar player on most of these tracks. But he's, I think, he does a pretty good Harrison imitation uh, on this track. So this is the George Harrison song "I'll Still Love You," and it's got a real convoluted history. Uh, actually, went back all the way to "All Things Must Pass," and uh, supposedly George had wanted Ronnie Spector or Scylla Black or Leon Russell or somebody to record it. And actually Scylla Black did record it. And there's a version of it. There's also a version of it done by George from the uh, All Things Must Pass sessions that you can hear on YouTube. But then he you know, gave it to Ringo and the quote was, uh, I gave it to him. It'll save me a job because nobody else would record (laughs) it. And so, you know, like, okay, Ringo will do it. Uh, and I said to him, get me a demo of it because he was too drunk at the time to do it himself. So already it's kind of problematic. And then the most bizarre thing happens, and we've got some audio to detail what happened, but I'll just tell you that uh, George sued Ringos apparently about the, uh, was not happy with the performance. So uh, we've got some audio on this. Yeah, okay, so this is uh, from uh, 1988. Uh, when the two, uh, George and Ringo, appeared on ITV's Aspel and Company, uh, the first time in several years they'd appeared on a joint interview. Um, and uh, Aspel is asking, he's been asking them if they've they ever had fights in the Beatles, and then uh, he, he turns to this question. <laughs> what about now? What makes you cross with each other now? Well, the last time we were crossed was when George was suing me. <laughs> See, what's nice, though, he calls me up. cross. Yeah, yeah, he's still cross. Uh, the last time he calls me, he'll say, I'm going to see you. I said, no, George, don't be so dumb. No, I'm going to see you. I don't like what you've done. Because he wrote this song, and I had it mixed by somebody else. And uh, he didn't like the mix, so he was going to sue me. So in the end, I, have to, I said, sue me if you want, but I'll always love you. Uh, I like so. the little... A sly reference there, almost to the song when Ringo says, "I'll always love you," and it's nice. I'll still love you, so it's pretty clever. Yeah, but yeah, what do you it's think about un- it? Well, it's unclear what exactly he was suing about. Was it the arrangement? Was it the the what? What? Wait, well, wait. At, at any rate, and he was not pleased. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it doesn't say. Uh, on uh, in, again, going to the Robert Rodriguez book Solo in the seventies, he doesn't. He just says uh, it's baffling why Ringo found the or why George found the whole thing so upsetting that he threatened his friend with legal action. Uh, Ringo's take was hardly an embarrassment. So, yeah. uh, I guess you know. But at the time, think about it. What was George going through in 1976, having to do with suing and lawsuits and songs yeah. and yeah. yeah. So he's just in a suing mood. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, nice of him to sing "Sue Me, Sue You Blues," and then and then he does a little "Sue You" of his own. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Well, I I I I don't dislike this uh, take on the song. I I think I think probably what happened was George was upset he could never get a version right on his own Mm. or get. I guess the you know some of those early people. I also heard Shirley Bassey like he oh, really yeah. wanted Shirley Bassey to do it and George Martin to produce it and stuff, and it just never came together. 
and he probably was just frustrated. And then this act, this one actually comes out, and it's not quite what he's looking mm. for, you know. But mm-hmm. I think it's a decent arrangement. It reminds me of early uh, Elton John production. Oh yeah, I could a, hear that. A, a sort of a Paul Buckmaster. The strings come in. This is the best strings on the album. Mm-hmm. Uh, any really any uh, comparison. Is is pretty weak, but <laughs> on the rest of the album, <laughs> as far as strings go, but these strings are very good. And they remind me of those. Uh, yeah, it could easily be on one of the first few Elton John songs or uh, albums. Yeah, so it's got that haunting feel and the like, very ethereal reverb, uh, you know, atmospheric kind of sound with the strings, and I, I think it works pretty well. It's it's a, it sticks with you. This one, like. You know, it's, yeah, it's, it has a pretty good tune, even though, like, I think you're right. That's that George just couldn't get it right himself, and so, you know, just kind of maybe was miffed that it actually did sort of work. Uh, yeah, I think uh, the emotion of this too comes off as a little dramatic. Yeah, you know? like yeah. this one is actually important. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so, so it really, uh, it really uh, goes well. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, now now we go to the the back end of the album here. We really are going to have some. Oh fun. boy, oh boy. Now, Dave, we've we've talked about this before on the podcast, but not very extensively. But you're quite the EC fan, quite the Eric Clapton. Oh yeah, I've seen uh, EC a bunch of times, and he was a huge influence on me growing up as a guitar player and as a songwriter. And I, I love me some EC. Because because we mentioned EC before, uh, jokingly and, and and we got a little uh, got a little guff from a couple of our listeners. It's like, <laughs> no no no, don't get don't get it uh, mixed up. Yeah, uh, Dave's, no, no, no. Big, Dave's a big EC guy. I love EC, and so that's why I was really excited when I saw when I first got this album, whenever it was, uh, that the next track is actually by Eric Clapton, and he plays on it. And it's but the already the title is a little suspect, uh, <laughs> and so let's why don't we take a listen to uh, this be called a song. Okay, Dave, give us your complex lyrical analysis <laughs> of this be called a song. Yeah, EC didn't spend too much time on uh, these lyrics here. We got uh, this is my favorite uh, verse. Let your umbrella be your friend. P 
pitch a tent in your mind for me. It's all for you. It's just the road that I need. Behind, it's just a sign. Okay. All right. Okay, well, I guess there's some meaning there somewhere, but... uh, very weird with the the steel drums going. It's got like a we're down in the Caribbean here. What yeah, do you think like, about the, well, I guess that's like with the title. This be called a song. It's supposed to be kind of kind of islandy. Okay, I, 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 I get trying, it now. I, you know, I get it now. Yeah, I don't love the. There's like a really. If you ask me, this be called a dud. <laughs> EC is good, of course. Yeah. He just like if they had just had East like, hey, let's just have a, a song, I'll play drums and EC will just rip a solo. Yeah. That would have been better than this. I I just think that it's first off, it's a song about writing a song. Mm-hmm. Which is problematic at, at then at some point I think it references itself right. <laughs> the lyrics reference writing a, this song. Yes. So it's uh, it just it's it's like double double mumbo jumbo is mm-hmm. is what they would call it in uh, screenwriting terms. Uh, um, <laughs> uh, the lyrics are very lame. Anyway, mm-hmm. and and uh, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. The steel drums don't do it for me, and the key change really bothers me. Yeah, it's a yeah. minor. And then for no good reason, it's in a major key in the in the chorus. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, yeah, I would have expected more. But but that being said, EC does rip out some great licks toward the end. So it's like yeah. his yeah, he sounds great, but yeah, barely redeems it. So one of the one of the worst titles in the, yeah, in the terrible catalog <laughs> of anything. Yeah, it's pretty bad. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, but speaking of pretty bad, I don't know. If, as we move into the next one here, uh, there's there's all sorts of stories about this. Again, we got a completely new cast on this one. Uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> this is uh, his girl. He's like, I gotta give my girlfriend something to do. Yes, yeah. So I'm gonna write a song. I'm gonna go down to Mexico with my girlfriend. We're gonna listen to this mariachi band, and then we're gonna bring them to the studio to record this song that I wrote with my girlfriend. <laughs> Yeah, and that's who we've got for Las Brisas. Cross over the border, we'll take a sailing ship into the night. Others love to hold us tight on a starless night. Oh, Las Brisas means the breeze will carry us like two birds in flight on a starless night. 
Yeah. Ready to go on that one. I, I like the Spanish lessons in that one. <laughs> see, see, yeah, I was going to say it's like a junior high Spanish lesson. <laughs> um, a little Central American flair there. Yeah. I, yeah. You know, it's not terrible. It, it's a nice it's a nice change of pace. I mean, they're changing pace throughout this album. <laughs> but at least this... I like when Ringo sings uh, uh, very strongly in his range. Yeah. So that, that he does do that mm-hmm. on this, but it is very forgettable kind of <laughs> thing. The novel, very novel to have yes. a mariachi band and just yes. hang it out. Well, it, it's not just Los Galeros playing the, the mariachi band, but you also yeah. have Ringo on maracas. Oh yeah, and and Vinny Poncia on background oh. vocals. Oh yeah, Vinny. Vinny's so great. We'll get a little more Vinny uh, Poncia, but uh, I wanted to uh, uh, Nancy Andrews. What what happened there? They they really they, uh, things really worked out for them, right? Yeah, yeah. Right. <laughs> match made in heaven. Yeah, match made in heaven. <laughs> no, all sorts of problems with her. That was Ringo's girlfriend, and she was a was she a photographer also? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And took a lot of photos of Ringo, but what what happened? They just uh, it was more. Were there more lawsuits and things on that too? Yeah, uh, she was engaged to Ringo at some point, and then uh, sued him for palimony. Oh, nice. <laughs> yeah, so I'm sure that worked out. That they're probably on, still on speaking terms. Yeah, it, 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 she took some of the pictures uh, that ended up in on uh, the cover of Ringo the Fourth and mm-hmm. Bad Boy. So. She at least is a minor uh, note in yeah. Ringo's career here. Right. And she brought us Les Brisas, So Well, and we can only be thankful for that. So, yeah. So, I, like you said, it, again, what you're, what you're probably noticing through our tour of this album is it's just, it's all over the place. It just, there's too many differences, yeah. too many things, too many style changes, too many personnel. Too many cooks in the kitchen of love, Too many cooks love, in the kitchen right? of love, exactly. So we've got one more real song uh, here, and uh, this is your your friend Vinny Poncia is back on this one as a co-writer. Yeah, and it's called uh, Lady Gay. Yeah, and it's spelled G A Y E. Lady Gay. So that one stands out to you. It's a top notch. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm going to I'm going to actually say I kind of like this one. Yeah. For some reason I like the feel of it. I like the horns. And it's it's a screaming 70s, but like very yeah. like all the 
the the you know characteristics of seventies music. But I like Bowie the... S saxophone yeah. on that. Yeah, you got the the Brecker brothers are back on this one. I just kind of I kind of like the verse for some reason. It has a nice feel. I don't know. I can't I can't really give a good reason why. I'm not listening to any of the lyrics. I'm sure they're not terrific, but. It's yeah. it's not too bad. I, I think there's worse tracks. There is a good solo in this one too, and uh, Harry Nilsson is a very weird background vocals. I, I, yeah. I found I found the background vocals kind of distracting too much. Does well he's does kind of like I'm drinking. I don't care. He's he's described on the uh, on the album credits as the Fab Harry, yeah, yeah, yeah. So can you tell that's Harry? Yeah, yeah. It's all right. It's not. The, yeah, you're right. This one's not. It's not anything to turn your nose up at. Yeah, for sure. There's worse tracks. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But so, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was based so, on based on the. There's a third uh, member of the writing team here, Clifford T. Ward. Who wrote a song called "Gay" G A Y E, and that's and so he got credit just because of that. Huh. So yeah, so I don't. It's Lady Gay instead strange. of Gay. See, yeah. it's just strange. That's the thing. It's just odd, mm-hmm. right? It's not that this. There's nothing wrong with this song. No, it's just odd. Just put in with the blender of <laughs> odd things throughout this thing. Cooking in the Kitchen of Love. This be called the song Lady Gay. Yeah. And not to mention the way this album ends. Oh, with yeah. An uncredited thing called Spooky Weirdness, <laughs> which is a minute and 27 of... <laughs> <laughs> what do you think of Spooky Weirdness, Dave? Well, it's like noises and sort of <laughs> like Ringo <laughs> talking. Oh, yeah. oh, it's <laughs> like Someone... a... Uh, like a horror movie, yeah, bad B movie kind of sound effects. For Do you that. think that's what gave Michael Jackson the idea of Thriller? I think spooky weirdness. I bet he was he was listening to Ringo's Ringo's Roto Gravure all the time and was just so <laughs> turned on by spooky weirdness. Yeah, um, it is no stupider than some of the songs though on, on certain Ringo albums. So. <laughs> that's true. But I, I, it's it's gonna it'll be brought up. We'll play it for you when we. I, the, one of the reasons I didn't want to play it is we're definitely going to do an episode coming up at some point of all of the weird, dumb, crazy, worthless things on all these solo albums. Yeah, <laughs> that this will definitely be in there. This will definitely be in there. But uh, so, so I mean, overall, what overall, do you think? well, the album didn't do very well. It was it was pretty much a flop. It hit number twenty eight in the U.S. and then fizzled pretty quickly after that. And I think. As I said at the beginning, it just feels like the formula of Ringo getting help from all his friends. It just wore wore out, wore thin after the yeah. third try, and the material is a lot weaker. And there's just too many, too much. I like diversity, but too much diversity on the album. That just it's very hard to listen to it consistently. So yeah. Uh, I yeah, on a scale of one to ten, I'd probably give this one a four. Uh, I was going to go right at four. I like uh, a couple things on this. I really like pure gold. That really sticks with you. I'll still love you. Sounds great. I I like it. 
And then some of the other songs on this uh, stick with you, but in, uh, for bad reason. Yeah. <laughs> like the <laughs> cooking in the kitchen of love lick <laughs> sticks in your head, but it's like just irritating you, you know? Yeah. So that that's that's my you know when when half of the things that are sticking in my head are kind of bothering me, mm-hmm. <laughs> that like, usually dips it down to a four. I I I I don't know that having heard this one many times in the last couple of weeks, <laughs> uh, uh, preparing for this, I don't know that I'd really spin it too much more often. No. But pure pure gold's kind of a uh, if we do a Ringo underrated that 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 might. Uh, that might make the list. For yeah, me. I think it also goes to show with Pure Gold and I'll Still Love You probably being the two best songs on the album that uh, shows that the Beatles really are the greatest songwriters of all time if they can put their second-rate <laughs> tunes and they're still head and shoulders above these other tunes like uh, This Be Called a Song and You Don't Know Me at All and things like that. Uh, I guess it says something. Anyway, that... Uh, we thought we you'd enjoy a little Ringo since we've yeah. uh, we've been neglecting our, the Beatle drummer and although we did give him a big shout out in our George Martin episode and yes. uh, yeah want to thank uh, I think it was Sven our friend of the show Sven who uh, pointed out we we both had mentioned that Ringo being uh, brought into the group and Pete being kicked out uh, was the most significant event of George Martin's uh, tenure. And he pointed out that Mark Lewis in book Tune In uh, gives even more detail, and it, I guess it wasn't quite as clean as uh, as we'd been led to expect. So I look forward to reading that. And uh, this summer we can maybe think we can get. Do you want to commit? We're going to get through this book. Oh, I've been trying. I know it's it's, 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 uh, yeah. <laughs> it's on my Kindle. The problem is I'm reading it on my Kindle, so it's like. Uh... Twelve percent done. I'm like, I've been reading this for months. <laughs> <It's> discouraging. <laughs> so, but, but yeah, uh, we, we really, we really appreciate hearing the, your feedback and uh, getting getting to a lot of good discussions about uh, the podcast and things that you're interested in. Yeah, and we'll have uh, we've got we've got a lot of great episodes coming up. Great ideas, and we'll be talking to you for even more. Uh, episode ideas and you know what we, we what we should do dave is uh do a question and answer one i was gonna say you that, guys actually, you yeah. guys give us a question and we'll answer it so yeah I'll, I'll, I'll post a thread on our facebook if you're not following us on facebook please do and come to our facebook page i've got a beatles podcast easy to find and follow us and like us and we'll uh we'll post uh something and and uh get a bunch of questions from you guys and what answer them on the podcast well sounds good so this was so. fun to get into ringo's rotogravure and uh, <laughs> i just like to say that yeah uh, so <laughs> yeah so, uh, thumbs thumbs up kind of on the title yeah of the album. it is definitely so. unique so yeah uh, okay was, I'll, I'll give it a 4.115 just for the title for, yeah, for yeah the title. that sounds good so we'll <laughs> So thanks again for listening, and we'll go out with the end of Hey Baby. Oh, if you'll be my baby.